No, and that's the thing that we're we're really pushing with the with the episode is that we get to reconnect as as individuals, as people, as a community, and that we understand that we are nature. And when we really pay attention to that that human nature, that nature is not something you have to go away to, that when we understand that, we can tap into the healing aspects of nature. This episode is brought to you in part by our sponsor, Tidal Influence, a Californian ecological consulting firm who proudly supports environmental education and all of the diverse conservation efforts that Pelicanus works to highlight. Visit their website at tidalinfluence.com to learn more about what they do to conserve our coastal resources and how you can get involved. In this episode of Conservation Conversations, we talk with Marcos Trinidad, the Center Director for Audubon Debs Park in Los Angeles and host of the Human Nature Podcast by LAS Studios and KPCC, an NPR affiliate. Marcos is a living legend in conservation in the LA area, and his new podcast is an amazing way to see the plants and animals of Los Angeles from his point of view. So please, enjoy our conversation with Marcos. All right, Marcos, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, can you kind of just give your, you know, introduce yourself and let everyone know who you are and, uh, and what you do? Yeah, th- uh, first, thanks for, for inviting me. It, it's it's um, great to chat. My name is Marcos Trinidad. I am currently uh, center director for Audubon Center at Debs Park, and uh, there's a couple of other projects that I'm working on, um, and I do work for uh, Tree People, which is an organization that is based in Los Angeles, but I'm actually doing work out in the Inland Empire with them as a as a senior regional manager, um, and then also podcast host for Human Nature with uh, Alias Studios. Yeah, I, I know. Just tangentially, you know, I've I've known of you for a while, and we just met recently, and I know how much you do because <laughs> you're good friends with our, our one of our board members, Chris Sarabia, and past podcast interview uh, episode, and I just know that you guys both have your just fingers in so many little pots and we wear way too many hats to even <laughs> to even keep count. <laughs> Man, the work is fun and you know a lot of times uh I just can't can't sit sit back and 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 watch folks have all the fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell me about Deb's Park cuz I we were we were totally going to go this week cuz I'd never been. We wanted to explore it, but you know, tell me about it and kind of what it is and what you, what you guys do there. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. So, um, Ernest E. Debs Park is a 282-acre park, it, open space, uh, right northeast of downtown L.A. So, it's in, the, in, the, in between the communities of Highland Park, uh, Montecito Heights, El Sereno, and I direct a nature center which is on the Highland Park side of the park. We actively manage about 17 acres. So we do um, a ton of work there, but we're really community-based. You show up, it's a beautiful center, looks like uh, an Autobahn center, uh, feels like an Autobahn center. but then as, as you, you go in and, and, and you, you participate a little more, you, you realize that um, a lot of the work that is being done and, and really pushing forward uh, is very intentional in terms of, of inviting the community into the conservation world. As we know, it's, you know conservation movement has, has not always been inclusive, so... Uh, the Audubon Center ha- at Debs Park has really, really tried hard to to serve the Latino community and and to really uh, uh, in embrace our our community on on many different levels. So, um, if you were to show up, you you could go bird walking, you can go on hi- on the hiking trails. We have a number of of community events 
nature, uh, our art and nature, um, community walks, uh, musical performances, all sorts of things. You know, one of the things that you said that I, I really <clears throat> resonated with was the word intentional. You, you said that like pretty much everything you guys do there, like it, it's intentional. You do that for a reason. You do that to connect with the community. You do to, that to share the urban nature that you guys have with the local people. And as you said, it's a you know, non-tradition, <laughs> non-traditional uh, constituents I guess <laughs> but that's one thing that I, I think that people are you kind of take for granted when it comes to conservation work or any of this kind of like this movement where people are doing it because they want to do it they're doing it because they feel like there's a need for it and they're doing it because they're, they're intending to make a difference rather than just kind of falling into it and going eh, I guess we'll do this you know, and I, and I think that's this like there's that theme kind of through everything you do and, and the you know your podcast, which we'll talk about in a second. I was gonna say I love the the idea of in, intentional change. Yeah, yeah, no, that de definitely, and that's that's a couple of things that um, you know we have to continually explain and 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 lay out there because folks don't get it. They, they, they don't understand uh, what is going into to setting these intentions uh, for, for us as a community and, and really as a community that, that has been doing a lot of this work for, for some time. It, it's not that, that this community is now all of a sudden thinking about the environment or, or um, uh, prioritizing uh, the, the, the different activities. I mean, just based off of how we live is, is very intentional because we don't have the privilege to mess up. And when hap what happens is being able to incorporate that in, and, and shed light on it and, and, and explain that on a very different level with multiple platforms we start to to learn to value and appreciate the differences and and I think a lot of this comes down to you know how how we were raised or, or some of the things that, that that a lot of people take for granted um, when we think about uh, the choices that we make in our daily lives and, and how we we are, are supporting the environment or are we making the eco-friendly decision um, because a lot of our communities, we don't have the luxury to just waste water or to not recycle. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's pretty interesting how, how we all frame, frame this and, and how it gets framed because I'm not, I'm usually not the first image you get when you think of conservationists. That narrative is changing because, you know, I've been around for some time and, and, and I've been able to see a lot of the community members since they're very little and I'm, I might be the first image that, that they have seen and now they're in middle school, high school. So, so it's changing, but you know, little by little. Yeah. And that, none of that could have happened without, you know, the people before us that made that same set those, set those intentions. And it's like, you know, hippie yoga as that sounds, but you said, in, you set intentions for, the day for whatever you're doing or your program and and you follow through with that and you know as you just said you're kind of seeing generational change because of that which is which is what well, that's the goal right that's the goal man that that's what we're here for, here for <laughs> yeah and so i guess with that and it's the the idea of intention i kind of wanted to uh talk about your podcast, the Human Nature Days, and of course I had to start with the Palos Verdes Blue Butterfly, you know. <laughs> but and then the <laughs> what'd you think? How'd you like it? <laughs> I was very um, impressed and excited by the accuracy of a lot of the things, of almost everything. There was a few things where I was like, oh, I know you could go like 15 layers deeper, but it's, he's got to keep it at 20 minutes, and he's got to make it understandable for everybody. So. So that was kind of like, oh, that you know, he could go on and on and on about that. Like, well, no one would want to listen to that. So I, I gotta say, it was, it was awesome, and, and you know, that PVB is such a cool story. 
Oh man, I um, that means a lot. I I, I really appreciate uh, the the feedback and and yeah, you're you're right, man. With with uh, producing audio and especially something for for listeners, it is very different. And there are moments that I just want to geek out and I can go on forever. And and we have a ton of audio where it's just that. But then you look at it where it's just like, well, we have to tell a story. Where's the arc? Where are we going to bring it back? What is the intention of, of the piece? And um, unfortunately, like a lot gets cut. <laughs> a lot doesn't make it. And and that's where I'm grateful for, for some some really awesome and rad producers and, and a team that that can help sort through that because ultimately they're the listener and and i could just go on and on and on and i probably get a couple of folks to listen because they're they're the folks that i would geek out with um but in terms of of uh what we want to accomplish with with bringing a lot of these stories to to light is is you know getting that surface uh um introduction and then they can dig deeper and and really really push their themselves uh, uh to make more observations so i'm glad you liked it man i i appreciate it you know i guess just to kind of take us a quick step back can you just kind of introduce like what the podcast is and and you know what your idea was behind it and you know why why you wanted to do this because obviously there's really good stories to tell so what yeah. made you kind of go let me just tell these stories um, yeah, so the the podcast is Human Nature. Uh, it is by Alias Studios, and Alias Studios is part of KPCC, so NPR affiliate. Um, you can listen to the podcast wherever you get your um, your your podcasts on all, all streaming uh, platforms. The idea was brought to me by Antonio Cerejido, and she is uh, an amazing. Uh, uh, producer herself, a uh, podcast host. Uh, she had uh, worked on um, anything for Selena. And then also she was the producer and host of Norco 80, which is true crime. If you haven't heard that one, man, check that out. Um, it's it's about the bank robbery uh, <laughs> in Norco. So Norco 80. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Check it out. So Antonia, you know, hit me up and, and um, you know, asked like, hey, what what's up? Like, you know, I've, I've been, you know, in following the work that you've been doing and I have this idea, like kind of hear me out. And, um, the idea was great to really talk about nature in the urban environment. It was really to get the listeners to a space where you don't have to feel this panic in everyday life. You don't have to feel rushed. You don't have to feel the this, you know, con constant uncertainty every moment of your life that we really wanted to be able to encourage people to slow down and understand that we are nature. Everything around us is nature. You could be in the city middle of a city and there's nature and what we wanted to do was find those stories and those locations and those spaces where we can talk about that and 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 elevate community members and scientists and just bring them together to to talk about these really cool things like bats under a freeway overpass i mean who would have thought <laughs> and it, it, it ended up working out really well. And I think what really captured me was going through the process with that pilot. And it just so happened we had done a version of the Lee Spells Vario episode as, as our pilot. And we were out there. We interviewed a lot more folks. Unfortunately, uh, uh, they didn't, they didn't make, make the, the cut just because there was so much in there. And I was... I'm really passionate not only about Lee Spells Vario in Los Angeles on the LA River, but that park in in particular, uh, Rio de los Angeles in in Cypress Park, Lasso Park area, 
And just going through that process, going into the studio, um, I just remember being super excited, getting my name badged for, for you know, uh, uh, the, the KPCC uh, building and, and going into the studio for the first time and, and seeing the equipment and, and then hearing cuts and then understanding, I'm like, wow, you know what? I never thought about this platform as, as another tool to get the word out, to share what we're doing. Folks like you, folks like Chris and Palos Verdes, you know, Peninsula Land Conservancy, like all the amazing stuff that is happening. Um, so, so just being able to do that and, and, and put things together and, and highlight the good work that's out there was, was really motivating and, and kind of carried me through the whole, the whole process. I mean, it was a lot of work, especially w with me working, <laughs> you know, two jobs and then this as my passion project. Um, that, that season was pretty intense. I find it really interesting that, you know, we kind of are, we're kind of going towards the same goal from a different direction. You know, you got, you're kind of more focusing on, on um, urban nature, but with the general goal to kind of like, and I don't know if you, you experience this, but the more we do this, the more we realize it's the right thing. The more people we talk to, the more um, conservation people or like the people that are like just discovering the, the show or whatever, like, hey, I had no idea that this was even a quite kind of a concept, a thing. Because everything I've heard from when I was seven was that the world is dying and it's my fault, you know? And so the more we talk to these people, it's like, oh, man, there are so many people. And this is just in Southern California, in, in L.A. specifically. And, and this is just one little pocket. And if you go to every little town, there's someone, at least one, there's like a friends group or something. And you put all those together, that's a huge movement. Yeah, and that is ex exactly what it is and and you know it's not that i don't i don't worry or or i don't have my my share of 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 anxiety and and panic and uncertainty it's just that when i'm able to make a choice <laughs> i'm going to choose not to trip about that stuff because i need to make sure that i'm in constant gratitude and that i understand what i actually have the power to change in any of this. And it is how I tread through this world and the things that I get to give my attention to. And talking to rad people and sharing cool stories doesn't sound like a bad idea. So um, it, I'm, I'm constantly motivated by, by the folks I get to meet, the, the work that I get to hear about, and then just the sights, man, being out there. And I, I there was a, a, a period where, or um, just a portion of, of one of the episodes on, on bats, we were walking down the San Gabriel River and, you know, you had all these vaqueros out on horses and, you know, sunset was coming in. And I'm just like, man, like this, so this is what we're doing. <laughs> you know, I don't know what other people were doing with their life that Wednesday evening. But if you weren't on the San Gabriel River at sunset on that particular day, like, like, does it really matter? I mean, like, that's where I was checking out bats, dude. <laughs> yeah, you were missing out if you weren't yeah. <laughs> bats on the San Gabriel River. It's like, are you really living? <laughs> yeah. No, it's awesome. And, and you know, that was one of the, the other examples I was going to bring up was uh, Miguel, right? Miguel Ordenania. Yeah, the work he does with the Natural History Museum is just is awesome. I've I've seen I met him a couple times here and there, and seen a couple of his talks. And I know uh, Chris Sarabia uh, did some work with him. I think at his parents' house in Bell Gardens. I think is where he's from. And just to put up bat detectors and just in people's like he's as you said, there's nature in the middle of every city. It may not look like it that you know it's all concrete, but there's bats coming in every night eating your bugs. Yeah, yeah. No, and that's the thing that we're we're really pushing with the with the episode is that we get to reconnect as as individuals, as people, as a community, and that we understand that we are nature. 
And when we really pay attention to that, that human nature, that nature is not something you have to go away to, that when we understand that, we can tap into the healing aspects of nature. I could go sit next, I don't even have to go outside. I could sit next to a window and look outside. I can feel the rays, I can, I can see the trees move. All of that, that experience is healing. But we have to be open to some of that if, if we're gonna get through any of the uncertainty that, that, that's out there. And, and as we, we, we are, are continuing to live through a pandemic, what were some of the things that they, they were saying, hey, this is what you need to do? Get outside, start walking again. And I was stoked that bird watching was like one of the the number one activities that people were were suggesting one because you didn't have to get too close to anyone <laughs> and you can look at birds from a, a distance so um it's definitely what, what what gets me through through the tough times and the good times <laughs> no it's actually funny i've had a couple different people come up to me because they know what I do and everything and they're like you know in the pandemic I started getting into like nature walks and bird watching and I love it <laughs> and I always go like it's like Pokemon but in real life right yeah and they're like oh my god it is <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I think the the pandemic was a funny thing because obviously it's terrible but it made people kind of realize as you just said one we are nature for you know one level on a completely one side this all happened because of zoonotic disease and that happens because of people interacting with wildlife where they shouldn't be and so that makes you realize like oh this all this society the structure we have it could just go away just because based on one little disease you know one little virus but then on the flip side of like everything shutting down people going i need to get out of this house it helped them connect with nature on, on a, that other level, you know? And like you said, it makes you like, yeah, I mean, I want to like, I'm, just, I'm tired of watching Netflix. <laughs> I need to go and just go for a hike. And it kind of makes you realize that, you know, wherever you're at, you can get on, get into that, that mode. And like you said, it's so, it's healing. Totally. And it was a little different for, for me and, and, and my family. Um, I don't, I don't know if I, I shared this before, but I have two children. I have a, a, a 12 teen and a 10 year old. Um, and then obviously, you know, subtract two years from that. And they, they were much younger going, going through the pandemic. At the time of the pandemic, we were living in a tiny home. So that was 400 square feet for four people. And we have lived in a tiny home for, for, as long as they've been alive, so at, at, at least 12 years. And, um, you know, when I tell people that, they're like, oh, pobrecito, or man, I'm sorry. And it's just like, no, no, no. Like, like there's, there's a lot of value in that experience. Now, we did have a really large backyard. So it was about maybe 13,000 square feet, but a really tiny house. And we had a pool, and, and so we did have some spoils. But the thing is, at home, we didn't have internet. And by March, what was it, 2020, we not only had internet in the house, we had all the streaming devices, <laughs> like, or we all had our own like personal devices and then all the streaming services. So the kids were catching up on, you know, 20 years of Simpsons and they, they were able to do it like in four months. And there was a very different experience because we didn't have a TV and they were like just so like emerged in, in that experience because we grew up being outdoors and, and having that connection. We always had story time. We would always read. We would always be outside. So now that things had shifted a bit, you know, we, we each had to go through our own little journey. And I just remember for, for myself, um, being outside on, in a call, like on a, on a conference call, and folks are like, oh, wow, it's so beautiful back there. Like, you have a great, great scene. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? It's, it's nice right now. But come 3 o'clock when it's really hot, 
I'm still going to have to be out here because I can't go inside the house because there's three other people there and there's no way I'm going to be able to take a call. (laughs) But the other thing was I always used to tell myself that I worked so hard for my family. And that was why I was always traveling and and going through all these conferences and doing all these speaking engagements. Like I needed to work hard because I was doing it for my family. And then when I was forced to be with my family 24 hours a day, I was thinking like, man, I just need to go to work. (laughs) And I was like, well, so what, like I had, I had to really check in on that and see, see where, where is this, you know, kind of taking me because there were some things that I had to, to really, uh, I would say, assess and, and evaluate as, as did I understand the meaning of why I was doing these things? Or did I lose focus on why I was sharing the outdoors with my kids and why they didn't have the screen to begin with? So... Now, like with this with this podcast and, and 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 even with the work that we're doing at the center and 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 over uh, with tree people as well, like the narrative has shifted and the intention is shifting because now we're we're we've gone through something as as a whole world that we can start to use as a common space, whereas before we all lived on the planet. And that was our common experience that we lived on the planet. But now everywhere has a space where where they had gone through the, the, the pandemic. And I'm trying to use that as a as ground for us being able to connect on something, you know, as as having to to have gone through it. And now where do we go from here? What are the things that we're gonna change about ourselves now? Yeah, that's that's interesting. It's uh, an interesting insight, especially like that. The true education of catching up on Simpsons was a, was able to happen for your kids. <laughs> you know, they are way more cool. Like, like I like them a lot more now. Now that they get get some of the jokes. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> They're definitely like funner to talk to now. <laughs> That's funny. So, you know, you've, you've been in this field for, for decades now and, you know, obviously you have ideas and you have uh, intention to share what you know and share what you've learned and share the, these like locations that you've worked in. But where did, I guess the question is, where did it all start? Like what, how did, how did you like get into this because as you said yourself you're not a traditional conservationist so like how, what is it that made that like that flip that switch for you you know i i thought about it a number of times and then i i constantly feel that 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 the answer shifts like there wasn't one period where i was just like oh this is this is my calling it, it was more of this consistent exposure into various things that they kind of led me to have this you know overall experience of, of where I get to get to be um, you know it I, I grew up in in Highland Park and it was at a time where where parents still let their kids run the streets uh, unsupervised um, so I'm extremely grateful for that because I was able to get out in my neighborhood and see community and 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 the things that you you kind of walk up on as you're as you're you're wandering around a neighborhood and and what I mean by that is is just a number of different dogs as you're walking a neighborhood and each one has a different interaction with you as you go through a neighborhood there's there's shade on some tree on some streets and not and and obviously i didn't think about these things as i was going through them it was much later as an adult where i'm like wow you know what growing up in highland park is very different than growing up in a lot of other areas the hills being able to walk up a hill and then see the landscape I think that always resonated with me 
in any experience I had that 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 allowed me to have a view. I it, it always reminded me of my childhood because I remember hanging out in 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 areas of the neighborhood that that gave us a view. I had a treehouse as a kid. Like not many kids in my neighborhood can can say they had they had a treehouse. I mean, it wasn't on our property or on it was it was on public property at a pick and safe. Um, it was a big old ficus tree, and and we were able to hang out there, and and it was mainly you know to get away from parents and any other adults. But it was still that that exposure of being in a canopy. And and having birds around us, and not us really saying, "Hey, I'm look, we're bird watching," but it was more of like, "Whoa, this is this is an experience." I think it was definitely there was a moment when I was uh, in the military. I, I I don't know if I I also shared that I I had I was in the military for for uh, a bit of time, and um, my job had me out in the field a lot and <laughs> a ton of gear a lot of ruck marching and and then there were moments where we're kind of just sitting in that foxhole and you can hear sounds nature and and and, and all of these things and then later as a civilian we call backpacking and and that you know and it's a fun experience <laughs> I remember having those moments where I'm like, whoa, like, this is what it was like when I was in the military with this heavy backpack. I, I just walked all day. And then now I'm like sitting and I can, I can really feel the environment. And then understanding as, as I, I was studying geology and anthropology in school, like, whoa, you can actually have a, a job in this? And then going on field studies out in Death Valley and, you know, up up uh, the Central Valley and all these really beautiful places that not a lot of folks um, will voluntarily go, go, go to if, if they had their first pick. And having those those shared moments with, with people and, and really being able to to at that point put my finger on it where it's just like wow like like there is a pathway to to being able to do um something that that I really enjoy that that I feel nurtures me that that motivates me that inspires me and also make a living and I think at that point I just volunteered everywhere man I was volunteering nonstop, doing all sorts of things and the thing was that me being of service, me being in the field, me being allowed to be a part of these projects was so motivating for me that I was willing to do it all. I was willing to, to help carry the equipment. I was willing to help clean up. <laughs> and it got to a point where folks started to notice that and, and started giving me a lot more opportunities that not a lot of folks were getting. So um, I think that, you know, naturally helped me, you know, advance in my career at, at, at a pretty fast rate. Um, and then just having the experience from being from the neighborhood and, and being able to reach an audience that not a lot of folks were able to reach and having the background that, that I did in terms of, of a lot of the social justice of, of you know growing up in neighborhoods, growing up in, in, in a time of struggle um, and being able to apply that to some of these these healing properties had, had allowed me to to, um, to work as, as, as a partner and, and someone that was collaborating with other folks to, to reach a common goal. You know I'm hearing you you say, a lot of things that kind of resonate with what 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 we are also trying to say you know we're trying to share this experience with as many people as possible and you know the best word we can come up with is optimism or hope you know and you know we have a series called the possibilists where it's like you know it's not optimistic it's not pessimistic it's possibilistic like if we want to do it with intentional change intentional intention I guess uh, we can we can do whatever we want as a society. We just have to make it a priority. 
with with that so with the optimism and the possibilism like how why is that i guess why is that important to you like what is it about that that like makes it uh, a core tenet of what you're doing i've used intention a lot just as as you know some a way to describe how we're doing what we're doing and and making sure that that that's there but it's not that i i I wake up every morning and I'm I'm just like, all right, guys, let's let's go on and do this. You know, I wake up and 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 I I go through the motions like everyone else does. Um, but what I've learned is when I do this work, when I'm when I'm focusing on conservation and and my impact on this planet. I feel I'm the best version of myself. And when I feel that I'm the best version of myself, that motivates me to continue to do those things. So they become a habit. They become part of my life. And if I can only focus on eating healthier... (laughs) It would be something that would really be it because that's something that we're kind of working through and and um, not to get too philosophical, you know, with it, but it's 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 really getting to a point where I feel what is nourishing is is really being of service to others. Because one, it keeps me from focusing on everything that's going on here, kind of like all that stinking thinking, Um, you know, that cycle of me saying, oh, well, I could be better, or maybe I'm not doing this right, or maybe I don't deserve to be the director of a nature center. Maybe I don't deserve to have a podcast. If I... Do it with, with an, again, an intention of me not saying, hey, I want to be the, you know, the next Joe Rogan, <laughs> but me saying, hey, you know what? When that person told me that they were listening to my podcast while they were gardening, that is what, what gives me this overwhelming um, feeling of, of, of purpose because when people are gardening man that's your sacred like space that's like the time that people are decompressing from everything out in the world like that's their healing zone so for me to have this um shared energy is is really like the only active decision i get to make is being open to it. Now, if I'm surrounding myself with with folks that are super negative, guess what? Guess what's coming out? Folks start getting the negative Marcos, <laughs> and that and that guy scares me, dude. That guy scares me, um, and and everyone else should be scared too. So what I choose to do is is to surround myself with the folks that that are are also trying to do the same thing that are feeding the best version of themselves so it's not so much that that i'm saying hey you know what i'm gonna be jolly today because some days i wake up and it's melancholy (laughs) and especially in this field it's so it's you can get mired down so quickly and then i'm like well why am i doing it am i doing it because i want it to be a certain way or am i doing it because this is what I'm going to be doing regardless of the end goal. Because what happens if I did hit hit that goal? Am I going to stop doing what I'm doing? Because I got into this knowing that there is no end, (laughs) which is kind of crazy, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You don't have an end goal. You don't have like, oh, I got to make a certain number of money, like, you know, certain number for my savings account. There's no like a certain number of acres of habitat restored or it certainly right. like population of birds. It's just it just continuing. And I, <laughs> yeah, and it can go backwards if you don't keep up with it. 
That that's the thing. We can't apply those metrics to our lives. Like how many how many years lived? <laughs> how many how many smiles uh, am I going to give out per day? You know how how many you know all these 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 things. It, it life doesn't work that way. So I try to apply those principles in in all of the different things that that I'm I'm working in and in my relationships and 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 the thing that that I have to constantly continue to check myself on and 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 to remain teachable is is as I'm leading coworkers and staff members and and people that are depending on me to guide them as their their boss or as their supervisor because I can't have the same expectations on them that I'm putting on myself. And and I think as individuals, we forget that because everyone is motivated by different things. So how do you take that mindset and share that with your own family? You know, I don't have, we don't have kids and it doesn't seem like we're going to anytime soon, but everything you just talked about, I can completely resonate with, but then on top of that, having two teenagers or a teenager and a 10 year old, I, I just can't even fathom. I, that just is over my head. So like, how, how do you take everything you were just saying, but also the idea of like getting into nature, uh, you know, especially urban nature and like having that, like that click with your kids. Like, that seems like an impossible task. So <laughs> it was a lot easier when it was me pushing them around on a stroller or carrying them around in a backpack and they had limited speech <laughs> because it was just stuff we kind of, we would do. It, it, it is a way of life. I remember them going to school one, one day and, and coming home and um, sharing that they were talking to a friend and their friends didn't go camping. Like they thought that that was just something everyone would do. And um, <clears throat> we really thought about and considered everything uh, with our, when, when we decided to have kids <laughs> and we wanted to revolutionize parenting. I mean, we were doing cloth diapers. I think for Paloma, my 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 oldest, um, we we had her on uh, cloth diapers. We were uh, when we were started feeding her solids, we only fed her uh, vegetables that we grew ourselves, and you know breast milk, avocado, and all the the squash and zucchini. And then our son came out and we eased up on ourselves. I mean, we still did organic stuff, but <laughs> you know, I don't think he used cloth diapers for too much. He, he, he potty trained re really, really fast, but it was then us being soft on ourselves, us understanding that, you know what? People raise kids with far less and they have beautiful, healthy kids. Understanding that I don't have to take my past trauma out on my kids or I don't have to correct my past trauma by forcing my kids to do something. And those are the things that that are really hard because then you got to do some soul searching. You got, you know, therapy, meditation, you know, whatever it is, uh, um, a lot of uh, uh, parenting classes. I contribute a lot of the the um, skills that we gained with the co-op that that we were a part of um, you know for preschool and and I think when it comes to the environment and things we just have habit there's things that we do and, and then the things that I'm not so so proud of that that still you know percolate in, in in from you know bad habits where you know if we see some you know each other with a straw say say for instance we'll just look at each other and sh you know we'll look at whoever has that straw and just shake our heads and be like you don't care about turtles and just like hey so yeah no or or, or say we'll you know someone will ask for a milkshake and 
there's really no no eating a milkshake without a straw, right? <laughs> so we pass that on and then we just, you know, give that shaking of the head and so how long have you not cared about the environment? <laughs> or how long have you hated turtles? <laughs> and that that uh <laughs> that shaming is something I would definitely not recommend. But it's one of those things that we have to look at in terms of like, you know, at some point, and, and I'm going through this now where, where, where the kids stop thinking dad's cool <laughs> and are just picking on dad. Right now they, they pick on me because I have a podcast. So, um, you know, they're always saying, wherever you get your podcasts or, or, you know, when, when, you know, a friend of theirs say, hey, I heard your dad on the radio. <laughs> you know, they roll their eyes. And, and um, I think when it's genuine and, and, and at this point I ease it on them, like I'm not forcing them to go on bird walks anymore. And every now and then my son would get up and, hey, dad, you know, can I go? Or, hey, can I help out, you know, at the tree planting event? Or, you know, hey, what's happening? You know, I, I, I miss going out somewhere. Um, and then, you know, it's, it, it always stays with them. So I, I guess, you know, maybe it's advice on other parents or just general, but how, how do people get involved? And, you know, this could be with your organizations or just, you know, in, in general. You know, wherever they're at, they may not be in LA. So, you know, yeah, yeah. What would you? How, what steps do you think people should take to just get involved? I think to be open to observation, find out what's directly outside of of you. Like, like get outdoors. Um, figure out what are some things that that are 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 interesting to you, but also to your kids. And there are so many things out there that, that folks can do as family um, or, or what, what I do is, is I'll take individual kids out to different events and I cater those events to their interests. And if, you know, one kid doesn't really like, you know, that physical part of it, you know, maybe I'll, I'll take them to the, you know, the movie screening of, of a nature film or, you know, uh, if my one kid really likes to hike, those are, are, are the activities that, that I would ta tailor to them. And I always make space for them to teach. So whatever it is that they're, they're going through, like, I just, I don't know all the answers. I don't have all the answers. I, I, I try to incorporate them in, in, in being able to, to do that. And, and an example of, of that is my son, he's really physical and likes to be out walking. And, and we had gone on a, a hike with black girls trekking. And I was helping them with identified bird, identifying birds. And we were out at the Sepulveda uh, Basin. And my son Deja was there, and next thing you know, he's pointing out the kingfisher and and all of these other birds, and they're gravitating around him because it's this little ten-year-old dude. I think at the time he might have been eight or nine, you know, pointing out all these birds, and they're like, "Wow, how do you know all these birds?" And he's just talking about them, and you can start to see him shine. And then later on, he's like, "Hey, Dad, you remember when I was pointing out all the birds?" He's like, "You didn't even see those birds," <laughs> and I did it. So it was like understanding that that you can have fun, it can be competitive, and realizing that I'm not competing with screen or or trying to take them away from it. If I understand how to use those things as another tool. There's tons of apps out there, and I know a lot of folks are like, really, like, oh, we need to get them away from the screen and get them outdoors, and I couldn't agree more. But if the way to get them outdoors and invested in that stuff is through a fun bird app, then I'm going to use that. Because the alternative is they're going to be on their phone looking at something else <laughs> while they're out there anyway. <laughs> I might as well try to figure that out on, on, on a different level. Yeah, it's that, uh, that 
Pokemon idea again. Go on iNaturalist and just take as many observations as you can. It makes you feel like you did something, even though you're just walking in, you know, on a trail. Yeah, yeah, totally. Or a camera, <clears throat> taking pictures of stuff. Yeah. So, Marcos, thank you so much. Can you uh, share where people can listen to it and then also how maybe they can get involved if they're in the L.A. area with the Audubon Devs Park and treat people? Yeah, for sure. Uh, again, it's human nature, uh, human slash nature. You you can you can Google it, but we are at LAS Studios. Um, you could go on to LAS.com and and scroll down to their podcast. You can find us there, and we're on on all the streaming devices: Spotify, um, Apple. D- definitely give it a listen. Um, you can also reach out to me. Uh, a number of folks have been hitting me up to to. Um, get recommendations on sites and things. Uh, um, I'm on social media at Husky Naturalist, um, or you can follow me on, on uh, Twitter at Brown Birder. And if you're in the LA area, definitely come down to the Audubon Center at Debs Park. Again, we are in uh, Highland Park, Northeast LA. You can come out, hike. If you do, say hello, drop by, um, say hi. Uh, again, a ton of things happening. If you're out in the Inland Empire, uh, we're working on on projects in Riverside, Rialto, Colton. We're putting trees in. We're we're um, we're definitely uh, getting to a space where we're we're focusing on climate resiliency, and and how are we going to set communities up to to really benefit from from not just the healing effects of nature, but but a direct stance of like, okay, hey, you know what? This is what we, we're we gonna need. Um, so yeah, and that's uh, treepeople.org. You can, you, can, you can definitely follow all of those organizations on, um, on social media as well. Yeah, I gotta say congratulations on the success of the show and all the work you've done. And, you know, it's really cool to see, you know, and it's for us, it's like also inspiring to see that, like, you know, this idea is is uh, catching on, you know, outside of just, you know, what we're doing, or other people doing. It's like it's it's people are doing it all over and and people want to listen to it. People people like it. So it's it's inspiring for us. And uh, yeah, this is this has been super fun. I, I love hearing the philosophy and how to raise kids and, <laughs> and you know all that so it, it's uh, this has been great thank you so much for joining us thanks for having me really really had a had a good time thank you again to marcos for his time please check out his podcast human nature it's a real fun one host and producer for this episode is austin parker Music was provided by A Picture Book Studios. Thank you again for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time.